0: Today's episode is a reunion of sorts. You see, one of my earliest interactions with Greg was being interviewed by him for a job with Flight Center. After I turned him down, I told him one of my goals was to have him as a client. It didn't happen while he was with Flight Center, but he did sponsor an event I led, Music Connect. Yes. And today's guest actually performed at that event as late July. My next guest has been writing songs and performing for over a decade. She's also the founder of the not-for-profit Redemption Paws that has rescued hundreds of dogs to date. Please welcome to Cadillac Fairview Toronto Eaton Centre Studio, Nicole Simone.
1: Thank you for having me. Welcome. Thank you. How are you doing? Good, good, wow. Okay, yeah, you're bringing back memories. How...
0: That was a long...
1: Was that at the Gladstone?
0: That was at the Gladstone.
1: Wow. And were was you wearing he... a mask? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably had a mask on.
2: Because <laughs> one side was Music Connect. Yeah. And the other side was... A travel thing. The mum entrepreneur, the mum blogger... <laughs> no, not the no, travel No, that's club. right. It was like... Um,
0: It was a mum travel blogger thing. Totally zoning out here. Because you knew everyone
2: there. Well, like, so there was the music side on the one side, and then the other side was, like, Heather Greenwood, Erica Ammer, Kathy Buckworth, that whole game. Yeah. So it's, like, going back and forth from room to room.
0: Yeah. Wow. That was a a fun night. Long time ago. It was good. And so B B Notions was a sponsor. And so that's how you got involved, because you used to work
1: very briefly very did you worked for B Notions very very briefly wow
2: a month
0: a programmer no, I, don't know what you
2: did. I was, no,
1: just, you I were was a the receptionist desk. just a receptionist yeah, yeah. That, wasn't a, that wasn't my long term goal <laughs> and then AK
0: said yeah he uh, can we have someone from our company provide a shirt sure. and then I remember some masks maybe everyone was in masks or something I can't remember that's something that AK would do I, wow this is
2: going yeah. well so far yeah, yeah.
0: wow
2: Ooh, <laughs> memories okay, memories
0: well, that was way back when that was a long
2: that time was. ago that was 10 10 years ago that was somewhere in the close long. side yeah, not 10 not quite not maybe ten. 8 years ago yeah 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 that sounds, that sounds
1: about 2010, 2010 2000, 2011 yeah. something around there
0: yeah because yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: we gave away didn't we give away a trip at that
0: a trip to Cleveland trip to Cleveland <laughs> yes
1: sorry <laughs> right
0: but it wasn't just a rock trip and to roll Cleveland. hall of fame that was it it was a trip to rock and it roll. was, it was trip I to would rock take Nolan.
1: that am I too far or too <laughs> okay.
0: close to you. Bring the mic closer to me. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, so that was funny. It wasn't just a Cleveland, because that's not a prize. No. Come on. Cleveland? Cleveland's a
2: great place.
0: Cleveland rocks.
2: Cleveland does rock.
0: See? Okay, how does it, it rock? Have I you asked. ever
2: spend some time down in the flats? <laughs> no. It's an amazing time. Okay, amazing so place. Why isn't? Is great it- food. It's, it, so I started going there about 20 years ago. And love Cleveland. It. Yeah, I saw Fishbone. Okay, see so you got to like take a out a three hundred person taking. venue. Of course, I have to bring a concert. No, out. you got to take it's it
0: out because a, a concert in any place is going to be great.
2: Fishbone in a three hundred person venue. Like
0: Fishbone in Scarborough is going to be awesome. Like, so that that doesn't make Scarborough great. Scarborough's great outside of. I used
2: to go there for racing. But,
0: mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And that was fun. Anyway, great food. Now it's great yeah. city. Great vibe. Love that city. Enough of you. Now let's, let's I know. Work. I know. Sure.
0: What came first for you? Dogs, the love of dogs, or music? Music. Music? Yeah. When when did that happen for you?
1: When I was a kid in California, I was obsessed with music. I became, like, a bit of a savant with, like, records and stuff. It uh, freaked out my parents a bit, and then I started doing music when I was 13. Wow. And so I've been doing that since then.
0: Was there an influence, or, or was it just, like... Southern California
1: vibe? No, no, I think, I, I mean, when I was little, I was really into music from like the 1930s, which was really kind of spooky. I had like a big affinity for 1930s and 1940s, like big band music and okay. a lot of like those like Hoagie Carmichael type artists. My parents weren't into that, um, but my dad was very into like Dean Martin and like the Beach Boys and a lot of oldies. There's mm-hmm. a lot of oldie stations in the states we don't have them up here but Mm -hmm. there's always like a golden oldie station and then as i became a teenager i got really into heavy metal and so i decided to pick up guitar because i wanted to shred yeah and then when i was 16 i discovered jeff buckley and then i wanted to be a singer songwriter and that kind of changed like my whole trajectory was like jeff buckley tom waits nick drake and uh yeah
0: wow and when did you start like writing your own stuff
1: when i was 13 Wow. It was pretty horrible.
0: (laughs) What was your first song about?
1: Uh, My first song was about a guy from Texas who moved to uh, my school for a year. Or not for a year, for a couple months. And then he he got expelled for being goth. (laughs) And he moved back to Texas, I think. And so it was about that experience, that early heartbreak. Oh, no. (laughs) So sad. He's actually quite famous now, a quite successful musician in Los Angeles. But, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of funny.
0: That's really interesting. Did you ever record it?
1: Uh, Yeah, it was the very first song I recorded. What's the name? Oh, I, I it's not out it's there. It's not on YouTube? No, 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 no. I did record it when I was 16, 17 years old.
0: I think Greg and I did a deep dive on YouTube just oh, watching it. Wow.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. The, all the stuff. Yeah.
2: A lot of Spotify.
1: Oh, yeah, a lot of Spotify. I've got featured on um, web series and different... Um, movies and TV, so. Really?
0: Tell me about it. Like, how does that happen?
1: My producer, who I worked with for a long time, Adrian Ellis, um, he is a a film and TV composer, so he, like, works in the industry, so he obviously knows a lot of people, and then just through networking, gets kind of picked up. So I was on a show called Out With Dad. They featured a lot of my music. It was, Uh like, a queer-friendly show, and then... um, my one of my songs was featured in a movie. I'm gonna mess up the name, but I think it was "How to Organize an Orgy in a Small Town." Um, Sounds like a Pearl Jam song. Yeah, this <laughs> <laughs> uh, so was in there, and then I kind of took a break and focused on creating first Redemption Dogs and then Redemption Paws, and now I'm back doing music.
2: So you and I talked about that, I think, when we first met. Well, not when we first met. The second time we met mm-hmm. at our office right so I, th- I remember asking you how is it possible that in Toronto there are two groups one's redemption paws and one's Redemption Dogs?" <laughs> and you said well they're actually both mine I'm like oh oh okay so like can you so talk about redemption the difference
1: between the dogs two? was a photo series I did that was like humans of New York style documentary um just meeting strangers who had adopted dogs and interviewing them on how uh the dogs adopting a dog had impacted their life and then through that, um, I met a lot, of, a lot of people and a lot of organizations in the States. I started doing like a podcast, interviewing um, different organizations. And then Hurricane Harvey happened. And then that's when I started Redemption Pause, not When was intentionally. that, 2016? That was uh, August 30th, 2017.
0: 2017. And what was it about that specific event that...
1: I had a friend in Houston who had a sanctuary for disabled dogs, and she had been flooded out by the hurricane. And so she had asked if I could take 10 dogs, and I said I could do that. <laughs> and, then, um, and then the news got hold of it, and people started donating money. So it was like 20 dogs, 30 dogs, 40 dogs. Uh, so we went down and we collected 40 dogs. Um, about a couple days after Harvey had left, because Harvey was one of those hurricanes that kind of came and just sat on the city and just dumped rain, and that's why there was so much flooding. Uh, so yeah, so then that happened, and then um, and then we don't realize with you know like a, a Hurricane Katrina or Hurricane Harvey, it's a ripple effect. It's not just you can't just go in and take forty dogs and that's going to solve the problem. There was thirty days later, all these unclaimed dogs were being euthanized, and so then we went back again. And then again, and then again, and then we, we spread out to West Texas. Um, our volunteers out in West Texas were unfortunately um, involved in the shooting uh, in Odessa um, oh. uh, last week. Uh, so that was pretty scary. Our team was just out there. So, I mean, Texas is, is a rough place. It also has the most amount of homeless dogs um, between Canada and the U.S. So we keep going back.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you why there's a focus on, on Texas. Is that the reason? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, Redemption Pause is unique in the sense that we focus on uh, climate change and natural disasters, and uh, Texas is kind of a hot mess for that Mm -hmm. in terms of hurricanes, uh, the oil industry, um, rising temperatures. A lot of our dogs are coming from living in 55 degree heat, uh, drought, um, tornadoes. We had one of our shelters hit with a tornado. Uh, There's a lot of domestic violence issues that impact animals there. Like, it's You know, there there are obviously nice places in Texas and nice people in Texas, and I certainly know a lot of them, but it's a rough place to be a dog.
0: Hmm.
2: And so it's one thing to organize to get down there. What are some of the challenges logistically and crossing the border? And, like, what are some of those kinds of challenges you have to deal with once you get the dogs here?
1: Well, we don't have a shelter. So space is very expensive Mm -hmm. in Toronto, GTA. I mean... So we rely on foster homes. So it's securing the foster homes, training the foster homes, making sure they're all safe um, spaces for dogs, getting enough of those. So we do our last transfer, we we brought up 115 dogs. So that's 115 different homes that we have to vet and screen. Uh, We have to line up veterinarians who are ready to see and, and care for the dogs and deal with any medical issues they might have. Um, and then, you know, organizing the, the drivers. It's We leave Thursday. We drive straight through the night to Texas from Toronto, arriving Friday evening. And then uh, we pick up the dogs 7 a.m. on Saturday morning and then drive through the night, taking sh- three-hour shifts, mm-hmm. driving, uh, getting to the Canadian border uh, around Sunday evening. And then at that point, we're negotiating with the border because <laughs> the border is... Oh, wow. The wilds, you know, West. What they say goes, and, um,
2: and on a given day, it could be somebody. You could get somebody having a bad day. Yep. We had
1: that happen last time. Yeah. Five hours with 115 dogs sitting in a parking lot, um, and they, you know, didn't like the order of our paperwork that day. Not like we don't like we do this every month, but. Uh, yeah. You know, we have a broker that we deal with and we try to prepare and, and people get tired after driving that long. So I'm on the phone with volunteers crying. They're, they're upset. They think they're not going to get through the border. The news crews are ready to like sprint on the story uh, and then they get through and then the dogs don't arrive sometimes till 3 a.m. in the morning. So you're in a parking lot at 3 a.m. with, you know, 150 volunteers and, you know, we're doing ID checks. We're making sure we, it's like a small military operation at the end of the day. Um, so it, it's a lot of uh, logistics. It a lot is, of logistics. It
0: sounds
1: costly. It is, it is costly. As well. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, rent, we have to rent the vans. We have, the gas is expensive. Um, the vetting is probably what eats up the most costs. Um, so we spay and neuter all the dogs. Um, there's a common ailment called heartworm, which is a cardiovascular parasite. It's very costly to treat, um, but it is fatal. Uh, and they will euthanize for it, but we do take dogs who have that a, a small amount that we can afford to. Um, so yeah, it, it does it does get uh, expensive, and we don't have corporate sponsorship. We don't have 18 vets on staff. We work on two percent of the budget that most SPCAs and humane societies get, and we probably take in more dogs.
0: Is, is this is this part of the plan that you don't want to get so big, or is it just? The this is just what it is right now.
1: There's never been a plan in place. It was very much. Like, it was very much. I was just going to take ten dogs, <laughs> it all and it <laughs> just just ten dogs. Yeah. Um, and so, two years later, it's just growing and growing, and um, it's been great. But I think what we have like a really good community. We're really supportive. Um, we are uh, almost all volunteer based. So you know, we don't want to with organizations it's easy to get um, you know wrapped up in overhead costs, unnecessary sure. overhead costs uh, and uh, HR costs and things like that and red tape so we don't want to ever take away from how we can maximize our resources in helping dogs but we are definitely growing like having 115 dogs uh, you know spread out in foster homes is a lot of work
0: yeah for sure and these are all volunteers all of the fosters
1: yeah I would say like 40% of the people who foster with us int- intend to foster to see if a dog fits their lifestyle. And okay. then they end up adopting oh, really? the dog. Yeah. Huh. So it becomes like a foster to adopt situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what we, percent
2: of that is usually
1: successful? Like four, uh, I would say like 40% end up like oh, okay. people are really like when they our dogs rarely disappoint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we've had a couple of surprises. We've had a couple of dogs arrive knocked up. Um, and that's really hard to accommodate puppies because uh, you Neither have to have them with the mom for two months, and that's hard in a city. Uh, so yeah. we had two litters born within three days of each other, and we didn't know either of the moms were, were pregnant when we took them. But
0: and the vets didn't know either, or the vets
1: found out. We, f- we found out, yeah. yeah. So they just had a party before they came to Texas, and and they <laughs> wanted their kids born in Canada. So, yeah.
0: They wanted Let's take a step back. How did... How did all of this get started? Like, how did Redemption Dogs, Redemption Paws, how did that enter your life? So, you, you know, you're, you're, you're writing songs, you're getting a music career mm-hmm. up and running, mm-hmm. and then you go <clears throat> and rescue 10 dogs, which is now hundreds of dogs.
1: I started Dog Rescue just after Hurricane Katrina, um, a, a couple months after, in 2006. And uh, that was in Aurora at a place called Kennel Inn. And so I was their only volunteer coordinator. And so I started really on the other side of things where my job was to get the dogs into rescue, not to rescue the dogs. So they would call me and they say, we have this dog. Uh, can you find it a rescue? Otherwise, we're going to euthanize it on Friday.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, oh. Um, so I was really quite young. I have just started university and uh and yeah so that's kind of how I started from there and then I didn't know there was a rescue community I thought it was all taken care of by like the SPCA or the humane society and then I realized it wasn't I was um in school for music at the time and I was doing music and so they started doing dog rescue and then from there the, the pound ended up closing and getting amalgamated with uh the Vaughn shelter and I started volunteering with different organizations and uh and then I just decided to do, like, the storytelling part because I was just really tired of the stigma of that these are broken dogs, that they're in the shelter for a reason, that you can't teach an old dog new tricks and, and whatnot. So I started Redemption Dogs. And then Redemption Paws happened. Was,
0: was, uh, was there always a love of animals?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was not allowed having pets growing up. I didn't grow up with dogs, oh. pets, nothing. Um, I grew up between Toronto and Southern California. Uh, so we traveled a lot, and, uh, yeah, so animals weren't ever in the, the space, but, but, you know, I had, like, a membership to, like, the San Diego Zoo, and, like, my parents knew very much that I, I liked animals. It just was never going to fit our lifestyle.
0: Okay, so working at the mm-hmm. shelter was just an ex- part of an extension of that part? Of it, was the never, it was a volunteer. I never It was
1: never a job. It was just a volunteer, and I, okay. I went, I think, every day for a year. Wow. Yeah, it was just – it was an old fox fur farm that had been che- turned into a shelter, and it's actually um, – that. The graveyard's still there. It's the oldest pet cemetery in Canada. They have, like, war horses from, like, 1918. Yeah. it's Up uh, on
2: Woodbine, right? Was it or was it?
1: Uh, it's I mean? off of Young. Okay. Um, in Henderson and Aurora. Okay. So just north of Bloomington, okay. if you're familiar with the area. Um, it's all being developed, but they've, um, uh, they've designated it a historical site. I talked mm. to uh, Mayor Tom Marakis about it. And huh. He said it's, it's protected. That's great. So, yeah, it's a unique place.
0: What was Unchained Ontario's Dogs
1: about? <laughs> Unchained Ontario's Dogs was when I was volunteering at the kennel, and there was a pattern of chained dogs coming in. Um, sometimes they'd be chained as puppies, and then the, the collar would grow into their necks um, as they got older. Oh. Um, and I realized that these dogs were facing um, severe emotional trauma and physical abuse to be, quote-unquote, guard dogs. Um, and people were letting their dogs live outside in minus 35 degree weather. Um, so I did go around to a lot of the municipalities in York region and talk to them and educate them about creating bylaws, prohibiting the permanent tethering of dogs, which is a fairly common bylaw in, uh, like Louisiana or Alabama. But for some reason, a lot of our animal welfare laws are quite outdated up here, um, I didn't really get through. I think they just thought I was really cute. I was like 20 years old and they're like, "It's so cute." Yeah, and they patted me on the head and they didn't really care cuz they didn't really see it as a problem, but it was just it was something that I saw time and again at the pound, so I wanted to kind of speak up for that. Cuz there's, there's dog fighting and there there's stuff that goes on in Ontario that people don't talk about. And right now like the OPP has taken over animal cruelty investigations from the OSPCA. There's a, this is a really interesting time of flux as to whose responsibility are animal rights and do animals have rights in the province of Ontario. Hmm.
0: What are your thoughts on that? Nicole? Oh, my thoughts? Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I think that Ontario is quite antiquated. We have you know, the largest breed-specific uh, legislation in the entire world, which is a very vague law banning boxy-headed dogs, uh, quote-unquote pit bulls, which aren't actually a breed. <laughs> um, and uh, it's, just, it's just very antiquated, and uh, it's very hard to get politicians' attention in this province to just update the laws to have some basic decency.
0: So explain to me about this whole pit bull ban. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean it was, it's been years since that's been on the books. So oh, I remember? Six?
1: Oh, five. Oh, five? Oh, five. Oh, five, yeah.
0: It just, like, to, as an outsider who's never had a dog, I would say, yeah, yeah, those, those are, like, vicious dogs. But I, I've seen people say it's... A it's, it's, dog is a dog. It's, like the, it's the owner or their sort of environment that they've grown up in that dictates what, that, what, what a dog becomes. What, like, explain to me and, and others who don't know.
1: There was a politician and I can't remember his name, um, he was eventually... He, he passed breed-specific legislation because there were a couple of attacks on police horses, I believe in, like, 2003, um, and then they decided to ban the breed, which kind of lumped in American pitbull Bull Terriers, uh, Staffordshire Terriers... But the way the law is worded is that it bans anything that could fit the characteristic of a quote unquote pit bull, which again is not a breed. Um, so basically, if I had a boxy headed dog, um, the animal services could come and say, somebody's reported your dog and take it away and euthanize it just based on looks.
0: Whoa.
2: I remember we had, it would be, I guess the reason I said 06 was I was thinking in 06, uh, we, we mm. took in our second dog at that time. Um, pregnant rescue mum mm-hmm. was a pregnant rescue mm-hmm. and uh, the, the band the, the band maybe got signed into law at that point, whatever it was maybe it was 05, or six whatever it was early six and uh, I just remember and, and i i hadn 't even thought of what wiki was like as as a breed mm-hmm. we knew mum was a beagle
0: mm-hmm.
2: leggy beagle. And all of a sudden, everything clicks in, and I look at this little puppy, and I'm thinking, what, if, no, no, what have I done? And I don't mean that as in, I'm worried about my family, but what have I just done bringing this little rescue puppy into our family as our second dog at the time, not knowing if somebody at any point could go, eh, pit bull. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, like... It really was. It was a time of reflection where I, I actually had to pull the kids together. At that point, the kids would have been, I don't know, 10, 10 through 13 or 10 through 14. And we had to have a conversation to say, they're like, hopefully not. And depending on how she presents, as she gets bigger. Mm-hmm. But we need to be cognizant of today's times
1: mm-hmm.
2: that somebody could make a phone call. And all of a sudden, we're dealing with... A mess.
1: It's legal to own a tiger or a lion in the province of Ontario, mm. but Whoa. you can't have a dog that resembles that a pit bull. Like...
0: So why is it called a pit bull? You said it's not a breed.
1: It's not a breed. Uh, and so there's an American pit bull terrier, and those are the dogs that you see in a lot of, like, rap video, music videos. And, okay. You know, the, the um, dog fighting rings, Michael Vick, things like that. So they, they get lumped in to kind of ha- have a tough stereotype. Um, but because the the law doesn't recognize DNA tests, it doesn't recognize one specific, you know, um, color, size, shape. So they they just put quote unquote pit bull, anything that that resembles, um, you know, that, and it's it's very very broad. And it's still on the books. It's still on the books. Um, I've I've known people who had have bully type dogs, and they've had as um, uh, so one dog's a therapy dog, and somebody saw the dog. Uh, in a car, and took down the license plate and reported it. And wow. animal services came to take it, and there, there, it was resolved in a good way. But that's that's it's it's like McCarthyism, like, you know, it's like or which, you know, it's just, it's
2: based on your. Yeah. It was a crazy, crazy time, crazy law, and it's crazy. It's we still it's had it's, place it's today.
1: still. Rob Ford had said he was going to to flip it as a as a federal charity i can 't like, i can 't really oppose anything publicly we can 't oppose government laws, um, but I do think that there should be fair laws for all dogs and dogs should all be treated equal and uh, based on their behavior based on their owners, based on you know what they do, not what they look like it 's yeah. Um, and they they had the laws a lot in the states, and they've they've uh, dissolved a lot of them in the states in the UK. But Ontario seems to be um, holding fast to it. Um, but we still have dog fighting up here, and we still have those issues. So um, if they look at the stats, there's there's no less dog attacks and fights than there were in 2005 than there are now. If anything, there's more because dog ownership has actually gone up mm-hmm. quite a bit.
2: What's um, and I'm zoning out the documentary that. I don't know if it was just released, but I know we just saw it in the last six months, and it was where they followed the Michael Vick dogs Mm -hmm. through placing them into homes.
1: I think, yeah. I'm trying to remember what
2: the name of that was. I can't remember.
1: I think most of those dogs have passed away now. But but what was really
2: interesting in that was they talked about, like, flavors of the month, flavors of the year, flavors of the decade, really. So, Mm -hmm. like, what dogs? Like, I remember growing up, and you know what the bad dogs were? Throw pincers. Dormen yeah. pincers. Always attacked everybody. Killed everybody. And Rottweilers. German shepherds. And and, and yet yeah, pit bulls, if you will. I mean, the in, nanny
1: dog. That's what they were known as. Like
2: in the 30s and the 40s, mm-hmm. like they were the dogs that were the the caregivers of the kids. It's just like, it, it's, anyway. It's the, just, I think
1: the dogs yeah. with the most incidences of um, fatal dog bites are, are actually German shepherds. And that's why they're police dogs that's why pit bulls yeah. aren't police dogs <laughs> yeah. um, although there are there are a couple of um, places that have pit bulls as as police dogs so uh, yeah it's 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 a, it's a it's you know Ontario is a safe haven for so many dogs, but at the same time there's this crazy oh, yeah. law that exists, mm. so it's a bit hypocritical
0: you're not allowed to lobby nope. for change
1: not not as a part of redemption Paws. Uh. I'm a federal registered charity so Oh, so you've gone from
0: not for profit to charity.
1: I'm federally registered. I've been federally registered since a year now. Oh, okay. And we just celebrated 2 years. Yeah, I, I, okay. it's really important to me that everything Redemption does, Dogs does is by the books. Yeah, 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 for you sure. You know, because there there are dog rescues yeah. out there that you know, maybe have their own ways of doing things and I just want people to trust us. Yeah. I think trust is really big when you run a charity.
0: Oh, absolutely for sure. Greg, anything else about? No. You're our dog? I guy. was just
2: chuckling with the kid in the background. I don't know how it's coming through on the headphones. <laughs> I heard it, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, can we talk about Charlie? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Tell me, how did you find Charlie? What kind of dog was he? Charlie was a
1: Jack Russell Shih Tzu. Uh, he was my first dog that I got by a proxy of a boyfriend. Okay. And uh, he was looking for a home. He had been displaced, and uh, he kind of introduced me to rescue dogs, and uh, he, I got him in 2006, which is when I started in doing dog rescue, and uh, he passed away uh, July of 2018.
0: So 12 years. Yep. It was very... I read your post on sort of his last days and what you did, and it was... It was, it was very enlightening.
1: Um,
0: it was heartbreaking. It was enlightening. It, it was, I don't know how long it took you to write it. Um, I just wrote it in the moment. Yeah, but yeah. It. I mean, I don't necessarily want you to live through it, but but explain to, um, you know, people again who don't who don't have dogs who haven't gone through something like <laughs> that. Um,
1: no one wants to play God. Yeah. No one wants to play God when you have a dog. And you do have to make those decisions. And uh, Charlie, uh, there's there's a, I can't remember his name, but he's passed away now, but he was one of the creators of The Simpsons. And he was a huge animal advocate. Sam, Sam something, I can't remember his name. But he had said that his rule of thumb was he would write down his dog's three favorite things. Mm -hmm. And when his dogs couldn't do those three favorite things, he would know that it was time because people always ask me, like, how do you know when it's time? And Charlie loved to play ball. He loved to eat and he loved to chew bones. And, uh, once he, eventually the last thing to go was he stopped eating and I knew, I knew that it was time. And so, uh, but Charlie loved parties. So I threw a party for him Uh, we ordered cheeseburgers and he had expensive Italian cheese (laughs) and um, and even though he wasn't eating at the time he did muster up the the courage for uh, for that stuff and and I euthanized him at home which I don't think people realize you can do my Mm. dog hated going to the vet Uh, and he he was uh, euthanized and you know me holding him in his bed as um, you know as his time came and I you know Irish tradition is you open the door to let the you know soul uh, flow out, and so we opened the door, and it was a lovely sunny you know July evening, and and I had friends over that were all there when he he passed, and his brother Erwin was there as well, which I think is important for for sibling dogs to see you know to understand where what happened, and then you know the next morning I had a, a new dog uh, show up at my doorstep. One of the fosters had an emergency, so I had you know this new dog sitting in my living room, and. Um, since then he was the first dog I put down and since then through Redemption Paws I've had to put down at least three or four dogs and so it was a great it was a great uh, intro into you know that level of compassion and uh a month, a week, a month later, we had Rooney. Uh, I had Rooney show up. Um, he was he had a, he arrived with uh, osteosarcoma. He was dying, and he was put down in my living room. And then a couple months later, Yoshi arrived. He was dying. He was put down in my living room. Um, I just did an article on it for Reader's Digest. It's going to be out oh. in December um, about you know what it's like to rescue dogs all this way and then have to euthanize them when, when they come because of uh, fatal illness. Um, but it's definitely. Uh, it's not for everyone, <laughs> um, and I cry each time, mm-hmm. and uh, but it 's an important part of the rescue world, and it's an important part of being a dog owner if you can't be there when it's your dog 's time to go. I, I really don't think you should be a dog owner. Wow, no dog should die alone
0: i don't understand this euth- like euthanizing animals okay. i like, 've heard of them i 've heard of like horse horses okay they 're racing and they break a leg or something like that
1: <laughs> that's dramatic, but yeah yeah.
0: Um, or or dogs and and again it's, I'm coming from a place where you know I've never had I've never owned uh, yet yet, yet <laughs> yes so, um, working on that working on it but Greg have you had the if you, you had have to do this through. it's horrible yep so like, we're, like more than a few times what what is it about because we don't we're starting to this sounds weird we're starting to do that with humans
1: it's a good thing right yep
0: uh,
2: I'll be okay if it's my turn.
1: I'd want the same compassion I give to dogs given to me yeah. in their position, and I know I won't... Legally, I probably won't get it at this point in history if I needed it.
0: You talked... You you wrote about, with like, the dog knows. Like, you, you talked about Charlie knowing that it was yep. his time, yep. it, and what was going And you also talked about his brother knowing.
1: Yep. Yeah, his brother knew. They had a, they had a conversation just before Charlie... It was the strangest thing, but they, Irwin was quite... Uh, uh, upset and Charlie seemed to calm Irwin down and Irwin just laid down right beside Charlie and Charlie laid down and the vets came and usually Charlie would be all over people but as soon as he saw the vets he was like I know what's up. He's like wow. let's do this. He was, not, he was like I've never seen a dog so like let's go but afterwards I, I, dogs know when it's, what's their, when it's their time and They don't
0: fight you on it?
1: Not if they're ill Yeah, yeah not if they're, if they're ill oh, and it's their time They just
0: lay down and Say
2: that again. Manitou just laid down, and yeah,
0: uh,
1: they know. And some dogs pass yeah, on their own too. I've never had that happen.
2: I have not. But uh, I've had, I've no.
1: had, I've had friends whose dogs have just passed away in their sleep, or had a heart attack, or yeah. or things like that. But uh, but they know, and and uh, it's important that there's somebody with them when they go. It's really and important. And it's important
2: to note, to your point, that not that you want to play God, but it's also important to note. When it's time to let your dog go. I mean, Manitou, to your point of favorite things, he ran, he ran, he ran, he ran. He was only nine years old, mm-hmm. ran his back end off, mm-hmm. and again, I'm oversimplifying. Yeah. And, you know, we had him on Medicam, and then he came back, and then we had him double up on Medicam, and yep. he came back. And by the time I was lifting his back end with a towel to take him out to go to the washroom, I just said to Kel, time to call the kids to come for a visit.
0: Mm-hmm
2: because uh,
1: it's better it's too time. soon than too late yeah. in those situations. I, I know so many people who they've left it and that it's 3 a.m in the emergency room and their dog is in agony and they're on a metal table you know passing away and that's not you know it's not ideally what you want your dog's last memories to be of of their life and uh, I think that there's also i mean there's a high suicide rate amongst veterinarians and the amount of um, guilt that's put on them and there's also uh, a lot of oh. lawsuits for, mm-hmm. um, you know, people who will demand extraordinary measures be taken and their dog lives an extra week and they have a $20,000 vet bill and they sue the vet. So it's hard. You, you really have to know when to make that call. And like I said, like that three thing rule is a really great rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's not, not easy.
2: And a really great vet will support yep. you. Yep. And I've also dealt with not really great mm-hmm. vets. Who tried to convince us to spend five, ten thousand $10,000 on mm-hmm. just checking out what was wrong with Manazoo. And we knew. We, we knew our dog. We knew when he got to the point that he couldn't run, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm not gonna hook him up to a set of wheels on his back end. Mm-hmm. And some people will do that. And I don't, like, I'm not faulting anybody for doing mm-hmm. that. But the vet kind of gave us the gears about that. And we're just like, back off. Yeah back off
1: yeah just quality you have to think of quality of life and and yeah
0: did you know all of this going into owning a dog that one day one day one day you would have to sit down and
1: you think like yeah yeah, I I think every one knows old yeller (laughs) (laughs) so like yeah yeah for sure um and you know I had already picked out what I was going to do with this ashes like I had it I had it all all planned out Uh, he has a favorite forest um, outside of the city, and I scattered his ashes there. It's probably not legal, but it's a little, little bag, little bag of ashes. And I go, I saw him last weekend. I visited him last weekend. Wow! Yeah. What's the
0: name of your dog? The one that always has one ear up and one down? Irwin. That's, that's the coolest looking dog.
1: He's he's on his way out. Oh, he's on his way out. He's 13, and uh, his owner died uh, in Kentucky, rural Kentucky. Oh. And he was sent to a shelter, and then he was sent to uh, a rescue called Save Me Rescue, and a friend was fostering him, and I met him, and he was nine, and I was just like, I need this dog. It was just an instant bond. Yeah. And he got along with Charlie Great, um, and he became an advocate. So that advo- was Charlie's brother. That was Charlie's brother, mm-hmm. and uh, Irwin became an advocate for Australian cattle dogs, which are qu- quite rare in Canada. Okay. They have a stigma about being... Um, uh, farm dogs and not being able to live in a city or, okay, and so because when I, so when I started redemption pause, the, the rescuers in Texas saw that I had a cattle dog. So they've sent us like 400 cattle dogs cause nobody wants them, but they're seen as so exotic and oh. so intelligent and, uh, we can't keep them in a rescue. So I don't ask for them. They, they just send them by proxy. So we have a lot of like red healers, blue healers, and I just adopted, um, Indy who looks just like Erwin. Um, and she, I got her a year ago. A year to the day I adopted Charlie in 2006. In 2018, I got Indy. Wow. Yeah.
0: When did they stop? Because I remember going to like places like Fairview Mall, Scarborough Town Center, in their pet stores, mm-hmm. and seeing puppies.
1: Mm-hmm. There's a lot of puppy mills. It's illegal now
0: to sell dogs? Or... I
1: think in the Toronto area it is. Toronto area. I, don't I guess think by jurisdiction. I don't by think By jurisdiction, it's like a... and it's not provincial. Okay, okay. There's a lot of, like, Amish puppy mills in the Kitchener-Waterloo area um, that still exist, and that's still a, a problem, but I think people are a bit more educated on it, uh, and I think if people want a puppy, they go to Kijiji uh, mm. if they don't want a rescue.
0: Okay. No. Yeah, because all of a sudden I said, where are the dogs? And someone told me it was illegal to sell dogs
1: there's a lot of issues like parvo and uh Parvo. parvo is a virus that um yeah it it kills puppies oh it's it's really it's really brutal and we we actually don't bring in puppies into Canada. um they have like a it's an eight month old eight month and older ban at the border, so anything under eight months you can't legally bring in
2: you cannot
0: okay. no no. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, no pit bulls, no puppies. That's our, that's our rule. <laughs> of course,
0: yeah. Coming, yeah. Coming, coming into...
1: Coming into Ontario.
0: Ontario, yeah. How do we get back to talking about music? I feel like we're talking... This is very serious. We right? just
1: did a photo shoot with our dogs in the Sam Roberts Band. Oh. Yeah, so we do with... Uh, we work with Dustin Rabin, who's a music photographer in the city. Okay. Uh, so we're doing like a... art. Art, artists and dog series. We did a photo shoot with a band called Pup, who's like a popular punk band. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Bell and Sebastian we did a photo shoot with. Um, and so we're working with a bunch of different artists kind of like to promote dog adoption. Okay. Uh, so that kind of ties in is the music the stuff. this the Redemption
0: Dogs? Yeah, this is the race Redemption dogs.
1: No, we, I think we're done with calendars. I, I, I wish that people use calendars but yeah. Don't, yeah. No, they don't anymore no they don't
0: just be a digital
1: I don't know we, we, do, we do a lot of apparel people like our shirts and they yeah. like our big uh, my dog is a feminist is like our biggest uh, my dog is a feminist yeah our biggest thing but uh, So we do that. So like I spend my days running the dog rescue and then in the evenings I'm writing, recording. I have like a big Instagram account for my music. And uh, yes, I just hit like 90,000 followers. Why? Yeah.
0: Where did the name Late July come from?
1: Uh, I find it's just like a really creative time of year for me. And so uh, I just really, it just. In Late July? Yeah, it probably came up in like 2008.
0: I was about before you came in. I was about to tell Greg when when, when July Talk first came out. Yeah, I literally thought that was you.
1: <laughs> no, Wait a no, very Until different. Was late July. I've been around <laughs> longer than <laughs> You've been July longer. Talk. <laughs> At least with that name. I don't know. if, Maybe they have. Yeah, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah.
0: That's, that's cool. But you just released like a a video not too long ago. Was I've been that, doing a,
1: a video and a song a month. Okay. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time in Los Angeles. And uh, are you
0: putting together an EP and a full length album? What's, what you it's a different.
1: With? I consider myself a, a social media musician at this point. Okay. So all that like records and EPs and stuff, I think are becoming antiquated because of the digital streaming service. Sure. So it's all about like your latest releases okay. rather than putting out like eight songs at once. So it's, I mean, some people, they put out like a song a, a month and then like eight months later, they'll put on an EP with a new song on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely uh, music space has changed a lot. I mean, yeah. I remember when I was a, like a 12 years old, I had Winamp and Napster And, um, you know, I I had a, I worked with A&R people at Sony when I was 17 and that was like a totally different thing. And now it's like, you have to, you have to have Instagram, you have to have social media, you have to be just as visual as you are musical, I think, as an artist to get noticed. So I just kind of started embracing that in February and uh, building up a following from there and just trying to put out, a new song every every month, a new video. I'm working on a short uh, film I wrote and directed uh, with my uh, uh, bassist and, and co-producer, uh, Fred Uratrak. So we're shooting that and hopefully to release it to some festivals next year. That's cool. Um, but I think like being a part of a musician now is like it's very much more visual than it used to be. It's no longer band photos against a wall. It's like creating content every day and engaging with people and... Being a lot more personal
0: will you change your sound for the Spotify world
1: no, no, I think i 'm still an artist at the end of the day, yeah. um, so I mean if you, Spotify's a bit frustrating because if you go on it i 'll have like twenty thousand plays on my song Sideswap It was the very first late July song that I put out mm-hmm. in two thousand and nine two thousand and ten, and obviously, my music sounds very different, so um, so like my sound certainly has changed over the years um, but I'm always looking to work with like new um, producers and artists and I, I still write all my own music I co-produce everything I'm just not an engineer which is a bit frustrating I wish I could do everything myself but I can't um, and I think being like a, a woman artist over the age of 21 is like, a, like I'm an outlier at this mm-hmm. point so it's, I gotta have my own audience build my own following and, uh, and it's going well you I was going
2: to say so uh, touch on something you mentioned earlier so in terms of rather than putting out an album now starting to put out you know pieces of work every so often like I think of USS they do that okay. Right, they're releasing a song here a song there um, Alexis on Fire just released Familiar Drugs mm-hmm. and when they sat down with I can't remember who it was Alan Cross maybe mm-hmm. said you know this is what it's becoming for us mm-hmm. it's not it's not getting together to do an album anymore it's getting together to do a song here a couple of songs there and and they talked about less i mean it was as much their lifestyle now they all have families and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm -hmm. but it's just you know that's the evolution of where we're going or de evolution
1: or because you you look back to like elvis presley he didn't put out full-length albums it was an a side and a b side that's what the music industry was for a long time up until the late 60s and then the 70s the album became a big thing 80s 90s and then slowly decline of the the 2000s when things started to transition and now we're kind of we're going back into that singles culture mm-hmm. um, and I think there's pros and cons to it I still love to sit down and put on like you know um, bone machine by Tom Waits and listen to an album in full uh, I think that's like a, a, a creative experience but I don't think that's really what people do anymore. But I think artists still have the right to do that. But I think to be successful mm-hmm. at that, you need to be at a higher level in order to put out a, you know, drop a lot of money and put out an album all at once.
2: Yeah.
1: It's, it's interesting, but it does remind me of the 1950s.
2: Yeah. A lot. I, I, was, I can't remember who was saying this the other day, but somebody said, you know, fans aren't buying my album anymore. They're buying the songs they like. They buy the songs they, like, the songs they like, but all the there's money is in and...
1: touring. There's no money. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of money. I mean, there's money in publishing, and so, like, film and television, but, like, you know, spot like what you make on Spotify, it's it's all in the tours, the shows, and merchandise. So, yeah. and, yeah.
0: Are there plans of doing that?
1: Yeah, I'm talking to management companies right now. Um, I've never had a manager before or an agent, um, so I'm just trying to figure out which direction that I wanna go in um while still, you know, having redemption pause and, and doing redemption pause. So it's it's a bit of a balance and um I just feel like I'm at the point in my career um I just got divorced. I'm um, you know, uh kind of like restarting my life in so many ways and then restarting my music career and then growing Redemption Paws is just you know there was never a set intent. It was supposed to be ten dogs, and now it's the largest independent rescue I think in Canada. Wow! And so we and it's still
0: a part of who you are. So yeah, I'm not no. saying it defines you, but you know, I it's, think it's, or maybe it does.
1: Julia Cameron she uh, wrote this book called The Artist's Way, and she said the things that you're interested in before the age of five will usually echo throughout your entire life. And like I was always interested in music and animals. So I feel like I'm living my most authentic life right now. Yeah, both of them. Both of them, um, and uh, I, I, I'm grateful for that. But it's a lot of work, and uh, Redemption Pause is, is emotionally laborious. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're in talks to do a reality TV show about what we do because it is so.
0: Wow.
1: I mean, we could tell I could tell you all sorts of crazy stories that have happened over the two years doing doing not even just the transports, but what happens here in Toronto, and it's a lot of drama. I can imagine. A lot of drama.
0: It must be emotionally rewarding, though.
1: It's re- it's emotionally rewarding enough to keep you going, but emotionally laborious every month. to Be like, can I still do this? Can yeah. I still afford to do this? Wow. Uh, psychologically, you know, you're you're putting down dogs in your living room. You're you're taking calls at midnight. From a foster parent who can't get their dog to calm down, who've never, who's never had a dog before, yeah. um, you're um, coming up with complex treatment plans for dogs, you know that have multiple uh, health issues. Um, so it's like some days I'm putting on my doctor hat, and some days I'm putting on my social worker hat, and you know other days I just want to take a break. <laughs> but there isn't—I work. I've worked every single day since Hurricane Harvey. There's not been a single day that I've taken off.
0: That is nuts. How do you balance... There's no balance. I don't want to say there's no balance, but, but how, no do balance. You, how do you balance late July and redemption pause? Like that, that balance there. I know, I mean, we're all busy people in, in some way, shape, or form, so you know, I, I always scoff at when someone says lead to balance. I said there's no such thing. Um, but how do you balance those two pursuits?
1: I balance those two uh, because it slows down in the evening, so I have time mm. to sit and write. Um, which is therapeutic for me. I'm not sitting and writing about dogs. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I I have that time to be creative. Um, I started painting um, as well, so I I needed to add something in the mix there. Um, But, yeah, you just just balance. But there's some days where it's just I wake up, I start working at 7 a.m., answering emails and calls, and then go to, you know, midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., just doing dog, dog stuff and just keeping people you know, happy (laughs) and the dog's happy because with live animals, it's not like it can wait. Like, I'll get to that Monday. There's no every day's Monday. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's tough with live animals. Thank you so much.
2: I have have one question before we go. Go. You got to pick one celebrity dogs, celebrity sidecar dogs, (laughs) sidecar Molly, sidecar Mally or sidecar Harvey.
1: Sidecar Molly all, right, all the way, <laughs> and I know she has a pretty cool new neighbor named Herbie Hancock, yeah. who I'm pretty big fan of. Yep. So I hope that they can be friends one day. Yep. Maybe not, but Sir, Herbie Hancock's oh. another dog now. Herbie Hancock is uh, one of uh, Molly's neighbors. Uh, Herbie Hancock got adopted from us and is now her neighbor.
0: Because uh, I know I know of Molly. I don't. Well,
2: the reason I say that about Molly, Molly, and Harvey is. There are three competing sidecar dogs in Toronto. Oh, I didn't on know Instagram. that. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I thought oh, it was yeah. Molly, Molly all the Molly way. Molly is not happy with Molly Mal- <laughs> and with Harvey. So Well, I, Molly
1: does great work. Look. And we have our two-year anniversary gallery show, art gallery show, on uh, Super Wonder Gallery at September 27th, 28th, and 29th. Uh, you guys should stop by. We have some um, art installations and some um, dog paintings, like, actually done by the dogs. And then we have the largest um, dog Halloween party at the Redwood Theater on October 26th. So we have some fun events coming up That's with so dogs. Cool.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Listen, all the best. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Reality TV show going <laughs> we'll on see. tour.
1: We'll see. That is so cool. TBO, do- TBO documentary comes out next year.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So listen, where can people find you on social? Redemption Redemption
1: Paws on Instagram is just at Redemption Paws. Facebook, just type in Redemption Paws. You can find Late July on Instagram at late.july. And uh, and I'm on Spotify under Late July, and I'll have more shows coming up this fall. Awesome. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me.